Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of Southern California and USC. I'm Nandini Mani. And I'm Zain Khan. We're coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. It's Thursday, September 28th, 2023. On today's show, will the US government shut down this weekend? A look into how USC students are preparing for Saturday's big game, we get a sneak peek into last night's Republican debate, and a talk with one of the most famous oceanographers in the world. All that and more today on From Where We Are, after these news headlines. From Annenberg Media, I'm Quincy Bowie Jr. In Kyiv, NATO Secretary General Din Stoltenberg held a news conference earlier today. He joined Western defense officials who have been visiting Kyiv unannounced this week to support Ukraine in its war against Russia. Stoltenberg emphasized the importance of NATO and others helping Ukraine boost its domestic weapons production. His remarks came one day before Ukraine would organize an event to connect representatives of 165 military contractors from 26 nations. President Joe Biden addressed the country today with a speech about threats to democracy, including those by former President Donald Trump. Biden said, Democracy means rejecting and repudiating political violence. Regardless of party, such violence is never, never, never acceptable in America. It's undemocratic, and it must never be normalized to advance political power. Biden has been going around the country delivering a series of speeches about democracy. He aims to create a larger divide between himself and his Republican rivals before next year's election. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law in Los Angeles today a bill that will raise the minimum wage for California's fast food workers. Beginning April next year, they'll earn at least $20 an hour. This is a win for labor unions. They say they're settling, at least for now, for higher wages in exchange for reducing the pressure they've been putting on fast food corporations over policies that unions don't like at independent franchise operators. Gas prices spiked about 12 cents a gallon overnight in Los Angeles. Some gas stations in downtown LA are charging almost $8 per gallon. That's practically double the national average. USC Trojan football plays a celebrity and media-heavy game this Saturday. They'll face off against the Colorado Buffaloes and their flashy head coach, Deion Sanders. It's not known if Sanders' son will play. The game starts early at 9 a.m. But despite this, expect to see in the skyboxes LeBron James, Snoop Dogg, Jay-Z, DJ Khaled, and Will Ferrell. What? No Taylor Swift? Fight on anyway. Those are some of the top stories in the news. In less than three days, the U.S. government could shut down. Congress has not been able to agree on how to fund our government. If they can agree on even a stopgap measure by late Saturday night, many federal offices and agencies might not be able to do their work. Quentin Seegers has the story. Shutdowns happen when Congress fails to pass the appropriation bills for the next fiscal year. Government fiscal years begin October 1st. That's soon. And so far, House Republicans and Democrats have been far apart in what they're willing to vote to support. The Speaker of the House, Republican Kevin McCarthy, finds himself scrambling to come up with a solution to appease the more radical members of the Republican-dominated House. It's also worth mentioning that McCarthy is on thin ice in the eyes of the more radical wing of the Republican Party, any one of whom can force a vote to potentially remove him as Speaker. Jennifer DeMaio teaches political science at CSU Northridge. She thinks this possible shutdown is different from previous government shutdowns because it's more the result of an inner party struggle 
rather than the more usual Democrat versus Republican power play. Suggest sort of greater issues maybe within the Republican Party, greater divides within the Republican Party. So it could be emblematic of, of other issues within the party right now. Tonight, the House will vote on various spending bills, but even if they pass, they could be too far right-leaning to ever pass a Democrat-led Senate. The consequences of government shutdown, especially if it lasts a long time, could particularly hurt low-income Americans. Access to federal services like food aid, called SNAP, and healthcare could be affected. Michael Cousineau teaches clinical preventive medicine at USC. Now, if it goes on beyond two weeks, then things will get a little more dicey, and some of these providers will end up running out of money. The agencies that are involved in funding Medicaid and Medicare will have more difficulty in administering those programs. Cousineau says that at a certain point, the lack of funding could result in long-term repercussions. We never hit that tipping point where the uh, federal agencies began to lose their ability to administer the, the grants, the reimbursements. I think everybody is in sort of uncharted territory. For USC students, Provost and Senior Vice President of Academic Affairs Andrew Guzman released a statement today anticipating minimal short-term impact on services dependent on government funding, like financial aid and research grants. However, as visa processing can be delayed by a government shutdown, Guzman said that a government shutdown may potentially impact international students and faculty. But political scientist Jennifer DeMaio says take heart. No matter what happens, the shutdown won't last forever. There's a part of me that thinks like, okay, are we, are we making a bigger deal out of this than it actually is? Because we will get through this. And, you know, we're not going to stay shut down indefinitely. Better safe than sorry, Trojans. So be sure to count your pennies and check your pockets. For Enderberg Media, I'm Quentin C. Yesterday was the second Republican presidential debate. A team of Annenberg Media journalists covered the event. Annenberg Radio's Ethan Wong takes you inside the journalistic experience. On Wednesday, September 28th, 10 Annenberg Media journalists piled into a pair of cars to prepare for the long drive from USC to the illustrious Simi Valley. At around 2.30, we arrived at media parking, where we pulled our cars into a field of wood chips in a local park. We picked up our credentials and took a shuttle to the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. Past a security checkpoint, media was directed to a large tent where more than a hundred journalists would sit to watch the debate live on screen. Aside from our one photographer, none of us really saw the stage up close. Because passes in both the media tent and spin room were sparse for our abnormally large group, I had a notebook in my right breast pocket and a mask in my left. I headed to the front of the library, where Ronald Reagan's face decorated massive banners that hung around the entrance. A line of attendees trailed through the audience. Some were advocates, like Libra Initiative CEO Jose Malea. His organization was sponsoring Univision, one of the hosts of the night's debate. We want to hear from them what their perspectives are on the economy, especially as it pertains to how they're going to try to help the Latino community get through these difficult times. There are even students attending the debate. Christopher Cajava is a student at the College of the Canyons. To him, the event was an opportunity to see democracy in action. I'm just really excited to see what, what future leader we could have um, in this country. You know, just, just to see it live, I think it's a better experience and you get to take it all in. And it's just, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot. I went to the one in Wisconsin actually last month, so it's just, it's just the energy and just hearing everybody, it's, it's a lot cooler. And I think a better experience than watching it on TV. At 5.15, I waited for a call into our studio, ready for a live radio report from the scene. 
As I was scrolling through Twitter, I saw a tweet that Governor Gavin Newsom was down in the spin room as a proxy for Joe Biden's campaign. At 6 o'clock, the debate kicked off, and we were once again introduced to the characters of tonight's television. The underdog outsider Ramaswamy, the charismatic showman DeSantis, the seasoned veteran Pence. Our team went to work. I recorded key moments and caught quotes as our politics editor updated our live feed. Moments like Haley's roast to Ramaswamy. Every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. The debate was good television, as some would describe. It was theatrical and featured seven candidates who fit unique TV archetypes. There was even a Survivor reference on the same day as the premiere of the reality show's 45th season. Which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island? Donald Trump's absence was pointed out immediately, with Chris Christie once again taking aim at the former president. Many of the candidates themselves made appearances to spin the media. This included Vivek Ramaswamy, who believes his unique background is what can lead a new generation of Americans. And you know, one of my focuses tonight is, if we want to reunite this country, we have to reunite the Republican Party first. Young people, I think, will care more about this country if we all have more skin in the game. And I think it's my responsibility, frankly, as the youngest person ever to be president, even when I'm elected, that's what I'll be, to reach the next generation. As radio journalists, we get the chance to talk with people we might not normally meet. Even in the sea of people, we can find a voice. But beyond the chaos of the spin room, attendees were trickling out of the event. We caught Tudi Turgovac as she was walking out, and although she came in support of Ramaswamy, the debate completely changed her perspective. Uh, I'm undecided now. Came to support uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, but uh, I'm not sure now. Ron DeSantis and Haley, but I like Doug, and I don't think they gave him enough time to talk. But as far as Pence goes, he was a yawn. With the debate's dramatics, it seems to have made an impact on the people looking for a new presidential leader. If you missed this debate, whether it be on TV or in person, the next one will be on November 8th in Miami. For Annenberg Media, I'm Ethan Huang. The unstoppable force is set to collide with an immovable object Saturday, when USC will challenge the University of Col Colorado at Boulder in front of a star-studded audience. Colorado is 3-1 this season, with the magnificent Trojans are 4-0. Sana Mahmood has the story. USC's football team is headed to Boulder this weekend to face the University of Colorado on their home turf. Colorado's team has drawn a lot of attention with flashy Super Bowl winner Deion Sanders in the head coach position and his son on the team. Saturday's game is expected to draw star power with LeBron James, Matthew McConaughey, and Jay-Z and many other celebrities who are rumored to attend. The 9 a.m. kickoff will not deter USC students from showing their support or completing their game day traditions. Some Trojans plan on waking up early to watch the game at home on TV while others are packing their bags and preparing to board flights for Boulder. We're going to watch USC dominate. That's Walker Blackwell. He is a freshman studying theater, and he takes game day very seriously. This week's early start time made him change his pregame rituals, because he'd usually be partying at a tailgate or drinking with friends. But this Saturday morning... I think it's more like a spiritual like preparation. You know, we have the jerseys, we, uh, we have a cheese head, my room is a big uh, Green Bay fan, so yeah, it's on the heart. Caleb Mansky has the team in his heart and wallet. He's a videographer for USC's football team. 
Mansky studies film and television production and will be with the team on their early morning flight. And his pregame will be very different from other students. I mean, considering the game is at 9 in the morning, I don't think I'll be drinking before that. Plus, I probably shouldn't go to work <laughs> while I'm drunk. Yeah, you don't want to fall asleep on the job. It's hard enough to wake up before 9 for the game. Well, I don't even wake up that early for class, so this is going to be a marathon for sure. That's Courtney Wilson. She's a senior studying philosophy, politics, and law. Despite still not having a ticket to the actual game, she'll fly to Boulder tomorrow morning, and Wilson is determined to make it to all of the pregame festivities. I'm not even sure what to expect. I don't know what time we'll be rolling out of the house and going to tailgates, but I could imagine that it's around, you know, 7 or 8 in the morning, which is aggressive. Aggression is what we need to see from the Trojans on the field. Let's hope the football players can also wake up at 9 a.m. From Annenberg Media, I'm Sana Mahmoud. Sand and sea. This is a preview of a podcast hosted by former USC provost and Viterbi professor Charles Zukowski on the big picture perspective on the role of mineral extraction in the energy transition as well as the growth of the lithium extraction industry in the Imperial Valley. It's a co-production between Annenberg, the Center for Climate Journalism and Viterbi. ARN's Tuesday radio coach, Mallory Cara, is the lead producer of the podcast. This interview with oceanographer Dr. Sylvia Earle was conducted by the podcast production assistant and Dornsife student, Natalie Lopez. Here's an excerpt of the chat. Famed oceanographer Dr. Sylvia Earle is wrapping up her time as USC's Center for Climate Journalism's first climate communicator in residence. She visited us in Studio B earlier today to give us her big picture perspective on the role of mineral extraction in the energy transition and the growth of the lithium extraction industry in the Imperial Valley. This is a preview of a podcast hosted by former USC provost and Viterbi professor Charles Zukowski on the topic. It's a co-production between Annenberg, the Center for Climate Journalism, and Viterbi. ARN's Tuesday radio coach, Mallory Cara, is the lead producer of the podcast. This interview was conducted by Zukowski, Allison Axton, the director of the Center for Climate Journalism, and the podcast's production assistant and Dornsife student, Natalie Lopez. Here's an excerpt of the chat. I'm really interested in how you would go about getting this knowledge out to a community, going through a lot of obstacles with the Salton Sea and now with Lithium Valley. How can we, as a community, handle that situation? How can we make it more good for the environment and the world, as well as for the community? So in a way, you're speaking for nature. Nature doesn't have the voice. We can put on the balance sheet. What are the consequences to the people who live here, who need water, who need clean air that is at risk because of these processes that are delivering benefits, quotes, to the greater world to make this transition away from fossil fuels. That's the cost part of the, quotes, cost-benefit ratio. And it needs to be seriously considered and given weight and to realize what was there before the current communities. What, what voices aren't we listening to? What have we displaced? Who have we displaced? What are the, the hidden costs so easy to focus on the benefits, especially with big dollar signs associated with them. But what, what are the other real costs that may be even more valuable to 
humankind a hundred years from now? What are the losses that we need to to seriously account for? It, you can get dazzled by oh this is this is important we've got to make this transition and you can see it and you can bank it <laughs> most importantly you can look at the the money that's involved i i just urge seriously looking at the lives not only now but beyond the next 10 years when this transition is likely to be most important because if we don't get it right in the next 10 years we will have lost the best chance we will ever have to come to grips with these planetary processes that are right on the edge of success or lack of it. That was an excerpt of Professor Charles Zukowski's interview with famed oceanographer Dr. Sylvia Earle. Look for the full podcast when it's released in early 2024. For Annenberg Media, I'm Shivani Gupta. Look for the full podcast when it's released in early 2024. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Ethan Huang, Tayshalyn Satcher, Anthony Klingerman, and Nicole Bedner produced today's show. We had help from Crystal O'Hara, Quincy Bowie Jr., Nathan Elias, and Shivani Gupta, along with Dana Scherer. Our board operator is Sam Bittman. Our live stream manager is Tony Fajardo, and Derek Renfro composed our theme music. Catch us live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News, Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. Subscribe to From Where We Are, wherever you're listening right now. Finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. I'm Zane Khan. And I'm Nandini Mani. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From, From Where, Where We, we are. are. So, Zane... Um, who do you think would win in a battle? Uh, Trojans or Buffaloes? Well, not that I'm biased or anything, but I think the Trojans are going to eat the Buffaloes. So it's steak for dinner then. I guess it is in two days. <laughs>